Good morning, everyone. Thanks be to God for this opportunity. We're gathered uh, virtually and physically to worship the Lord. Let us come now to the Lord in prayer. Almighty God, we submit to your sovereign will. We submit that you are the Lord of heavens and the earth. And I pray, Father God, that as your word will be heard by your people, may these words of God bring encouragement, hope, and even life to those whom you will um, save, O Lord God. Father God, I pray that you will move in our midst this day. In Jesus' name, amen. Let us begin by reading uh, Romans 8, 28 to 30. This is our passage this morning. And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God and to those who are called according to His purpose. For those whom He foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his son so that he would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And these whom he predestined, he also called. And these whom he called, he also justified. And these whom he justified, he also glorified. Now our... As the title is uh, Salvation Guaranteed. Salvation Guaranteed. And now, last week, when David asked me that I will be the one to preach this Sunday, I was a little bit shocked because I was not expecting it. Somebody was assigned, but because of God's providence, again, <laughs> I am here in front of you, and... I asked myself what topic or uh, message that I will bring to God's people in relation to our present circumstances like COVID is rising, war in Israel, um, economic uh, disaster. There are many things that are happening right now and most of us, even Christians, are worried. There's fear lurking in their hearts. There are uh, perhaps uh, anxiety attack. And what message I will bring to these people so that somehow God would comfort them. And I was thinking... And this verse, Romans 8.28, is one of my favorite verses. And in fact, this is my life verse. I, I told my wife, my wife last night that whenever I die, engrave this verse, Romans 8.28, in my tombstone. Because this verse really comforts me. And most of my colleagues in GCAF, they call me that I am a chill guy. Chill. Like everything is 
just a chill thing. But, uh, you know, deep inside my heart, I know that fear is really uh, lurking also in my heart. Worries also. Because I'm just a human being. But whenever fears and anxiety attacks me, when I, when I face that situation, one of the verses that I always look upon is Romans 8.28. And I believe, maybe some of us, this is also one of our favorite verses in the Bible. And that's why I had decided to preach this to you. And I went through until 30 so that it will be complete. Okay, so now let's begin by setting the context. Now, Romans 8 begins, therefore, meaning this is the application of Paul, what he discusses from chapter 4 to 7. Paul expounded the, how man is justified in the eyes of God. That man is justified by faith alone through Christ alone. No amount of good works, religious affiliation that can save a man. Only Christ can save a man and only through faith in Christ and by grace alone that God gives to him, man will be saved. And as a result, there is now no condemnation. Man will not experience the punishment, the condemnation of God when he puts his trust in Christ because his sins has been removed by Christ when he died on the cross. Christ is the one who took the punishment. Christ is the one who lived a perfect life for them so that they would be justified in the eyes of God. So there is no condemnation. There is no punishment. There is no eternal suffering for those who trust in Christ. There's no condemnation. And those who trusted in Christ is also dwelt by the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, proving that they are children of God. What a wonderful promise. And this is what exactly what we experience when we trust in Christ. We are dwelt by the Spirit and the Holy Spirit is the one who confirms our salvation. However, however, in verse 18, Paul says, I consider that sufferings on this present time. The reality is, even though you have, you have achieved justification in the eyes of God through your faith in Christ, Though you have dwelt by the Spirit of God, you are not exempted by this present suffering. You are not exempted by this suffering. That's why when the COVID came, we experienced suffering. There's also so-called uh, internal suffering. We are still struggling in an ongoing war against sin. There is groaning inside of us. We, we have weaknesses. We have to fear severe. That's the suffering that we are uh, carrying while we are here on this earth. And not just that. In Romans 8.20, Paul says, For the creation was subject to futility, 
We are living in this fallen world. We are living of this world subject to futility. So do not make this world heaven because that is a fantasy. The reality is, while we are here on earth, we are experiencing suffering. That's why we experience sickness, we experience there are wars, uh, there are viruses all over. Okay? So that's the reality. We are not exempted of suffering. However, the good news is this. In verse 28, in Romans chapter 8, we know that God causes all things to work together for good. We know. We know that God is sovereign. We know that God is all-powerful. We know that God is the God who works in providence. That even though we experience suffering, we experience sickness, um, spiritual, uh, not just uh, physical sickness, perhaps there are uh, economic struggles that you are experiencing, relationship struggles. But in spite of that, God causes all things. Meaning, God is sovereign that even though these sufferings that you are experiencing, He can turn it for your good. It will make you grow more like Christ. This is uh, not wasted in your life. Every tears that you are uh, dropping when you cry, it is for your good. It will build you up. It will build you up. It will not be wasted. We know all things. Now, when we say all things, God is sovereign in all things. God is sovereign over uh, viruses, over our government, over bacteria, over everything. And even God is sovereign, even salvation of men. He is the one who decides. He is the one who judges man because he is sovereign. He is above all. And according to John Piper, God's sovereignty is his right and power to do all he decides to do. God has the right. God has the power also to carry, to carry out what he decides, what he ordains, because he is all-powerful. Now, we must establish this. But if you cannot submit to the sovereignty of God, if you, this is not clear to you, then you will be struggling in what I am about to say to you in the uh, preceding verses. Okay? We embrace this. That God has the right and power to do all He decides to do. No one can thwart Him. No one can hinder Him. He can do what He pleases. Now, all things work together for good only to those who love God and to those who are called according to His purpose. 
So this promise is exclusively for those who love God. And who are these people? The Christians. Christians, our identity, our life is marked by our love for God. Our life is marked by our affection towards God. We are the ones that love God. We cannot expect Buddhists or other religions to love God because they're not Christians. Only genuine believers can love God. Okay? And they are called according to His purpose. Now, sometimes, you know, this verse is mentioned by different preachers and they said, okay, all things work together for good. Okay, now you, are, you have experienced broken relationship. Anyway, God will work together for good because you will find someone better. Wow. Now, that is not the goal. The goal is, okay, you will become, we will become like Christ. Christ's likeness is the goal uh, that God works together for good. Our goal is to become more like Christ because that's the goal of God for us. Now, Okay. So, the question is, why does God cause all things to work together for good to all believers? All believers, no exception. All believers. Answer is this. For those He foreknew. For those He foreknew. Now, what does it mean, foreknew? Okay. God's foreknowledge... God's knowledge and foreknowledge of people have to do with His knowing them in an intimate and salvific way. When God foreknows a person, He sets His love and favor upon him, her, before time began. That's the foreknowledge of God. God knows you already before you were born. And in eternity past, before the foundation of the world, before the planets existed before the universe existed god himself exists his foreknowledge is that in eternity past he foreknew those people where he sets his love and favor upon them he knew them already it is a reality of god already god is the one who chooses according to his good pleasure and purpose a people that he would show his love and favor. Technically, God knows all people. But there are certain people whom he chooses that he will show his love, affection, and favor to them. That's the foreknowledge of God. That's the foreknowledge of God. It's beyond imagination. But that's what the word of God says. He knew you before you were born. Reference, Jeremiah 1.5. God said to Jeremiah, I form you in the womb, I knew you. The context is that Jeremiah was called by God as a prophet, and this time Jeremiah was young. He complained to God. But this is the response of God to him. Before I form you, I knew you already, Jeremiah. In eternity past, God knows already Jeremiah. And He sets His love to Jeremiah. He favors Jeremiah. And before you were born, I concentrated to, I have 
appointed you as a prophet to the nation. Can't you see? Knowing and then predestination. He predestined, appointed you as a prophet to the nation. In 1 Corinthians 8.3, if anyone loves God, love, loves God, he is known by God. If anyone loves God, he is known by God. Now, those who love God, we do not love God out of accident or maybe um, terrible times that had happened to us and then, boom, I need God. I love Him. He is the one who can help me. You love God. And the very reason that you love God is because God loved you first. The very reason why you have affection towards God because He sets His affection to you first. The reason why you know God because God knows you first. He has that foreknowledge in eternity past. And then, the next, in verse 29b, He also predestined to become conformed into, uh, to the image of His Son so that He would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. Okay? God knows us, those people whom He will show His favor and love towards them. And then, He predestined them. God sets their destiny. And then, the destiny is that to become conformed in the image of His Son. And this is the answer of the good that we have discussed in previous verse. Verse 20, for the good. And this is the ultimate good. What is the ultimate good? Having wealth, having good health, having good relationship. The ultimate good that can happen to a person is that he will be conformed in the image of Jesus Christ. That's the ultimate good. And this is also our uh, desire, our goal in life to become like Jesus Christ. To those who love God. We love God not because of what He has given to us. We love Him because He loves us first. We love Him because God has already predestined us to be conformed in the image of His Son. Now, predestination refers to the destiny appointed for those who are chosen. Those that has been chosen by God in eternity past, He also predestined them. Meaning, God has appointed a destiny for them. Glory. Glory with Jesus and, a, of course, predestination to be conformed in the image of Jesus Christ. That's the goal. That's the goal. And then, According to John Piper, first God chose us, that is, He unconditionally sets His favor whom He will. Now, the basis of God's choosing, not because God uh, foresees in the future, that in the future you will 
believe in God. In the future that you will uh, surrender your life to Christ, you will decide to follow Christ. And because He sees in the future that you do that, then He will choose you. No, that's not the way. He chose you so that you can believe in Him. You cannot believe in God un unless God has chosen you first. And the basis of His choosing out of His good pleasure and purpose and will, not the basis of what you will decide in the future. It is according always to His good pleasure and will. That's how God does it. He distends them for the glorious role in eternity. We have a purpose and we have eternal purpose. So your salvation is not an accident. But this is according to the plan of God. Now when God sets His salvation plan, no one can thwart it. No one can hinder it. It is always be done His way. Not our way. His way. Now, in Ephesians 1.11, in Him, Jesus, we have obtained an inheritance. Imagine that. The moment you trusted Christ and uh, surrender your life to Him, submit to His Lordship, you have obtained an inheritance. So eternal life is not, not just in the future. You have received eternal life the day, the moment you submit to Christ, obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of Him who works, again, all things in accordance with the plan of His will. Accordance with the plan of His will. So this is the God that we serve. The God who is sovereign. The God who is so powerful. Now, now, God foreknew those people whom He will show His love and favor and then He predestined them to become uh, conformed in the image of Christ Jesus and then another step. He also called them. This is amazing. He called them. Now, what does it mean to be called by God? What does it mean? Now, there are two kinds of calling. External, ang bot pasabot an external, it can be resisted. In Mark 16, 15, He said to them, Jesus Christ said this to, this to His disciples, Go to all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. So meaning, when we preach the gospel, we are preaching the calling of God uh, externally, commanding people to repent, commanding people to believe in Christ. We are commanded by God or by Jesus Christ as well to preach the gospel to all people. But we have to be reminded again that the, the people that you are preaching the gospel, this is their condition. They're dead in their sins. And this is our condition before we believe in Christ. We are dead in our offenses and sin. These people are 
spiritual corpses. Okay? I, I remember Ezekiel, no, in the Old Testament, was commanded by God to preach His word. And then, in the vision, Ezekiel saw the valley of dry bones. He was resisting to preach because the, his audience was over dead people, corpses, bones. And then God said, just preach my word. Then when he started to preach, those corpses became alive. And then I understood that that, um, that is a picture of God, how God saves people. God is the one. That's why when we preach His word, the gospel, it will accomplish its purpose because those whom God has chosen in eternity past will surely believe, will surely come to Christ. So remember that dead people are dead in sin. They are incapable of loving God they cannot submit to God. They cannot please God. This is what Romans 8, 7 and 8 says. Because the mind set on the flesh is hostile toward God. He cannot submit to God. It does not subject itself to the law of God. For it is, even, uh, it is not even able to do so. They have no capacity to submit to surrender their life to God, even to abide in God, they don't have even the ability to do so. And again, and those who are in the flesh cannot please God. These are people who are dead in sin. And that's our condition before we were saved. And therefore, we need the grace of God. Because only God can save these people. Only God can accomplish this one. Because only God can make dead people alive. Only God can break the bondage of sin. So what about free will? These people have free will. They are free to do what they desire. They are free to do according to their nature, and their nature is always sinning, loving themselves, they're free to do their desire of sin. They're free. But in terms of loving God, pleasing God, submitting to God, they're in bondage. They cannot do that. That's why they cannot believe until God works in their life. I will prove you. Okay, later. So these people... Okay, who are dead in sin, we must understand as we preach the gospel, okay, uh, all of us also live among them. At one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh, following its desires and thoughts, like the rest, we were by nature deserving wrath. Deserving wrath. That's the only thing that we deserve wrath. Because we are dead in sin. People are dead in sin. People deserve the wrath of God, the justice of God, the punishment of God. And everything else that you experience, good things in life, 
are the product of God's grace. But when it comes to you deserve it, we deserve it, we deserve nothing but the wrath of God because of our sinfulness. But again, there is effectual calling. Kanisha is resistible. Uh, irresistible. Dili siya mabalibaran. Effectual call, spiritual call is wherein the Father calls the elect through the Son, through the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, there is external call. Yes, God provides a way. His elect will hear it. But there's another grace that God will show to His elect. He effectually calls them. He gives them grace that their unwilling heart, God will make them willing. God will break the bondage of sin. God will set them free in the imprisonment of sin. Effectual calling. John 6.65 Jesus Christ says this. He was saying, For this reason I have told you, again, no one. Why? No one can come to me because no one, everyone is dead in sin, enslaved by sin, and as a result, they cannot come to Christ unless it has been granted to him from the Father. Unless the Father works in his life unless God intervenes in his life, unless God grants spiritual life, he cannot come to Christ. So, the sovereign one, the one who saves, is not you. Your salvation is not in your hands. Your salvation, the salvation of our relatives, co-workers, even satong children is in the hands of God. Unless God granted him. So, the question is, what does God granted? What does this mean? Ephesians 2, verse 4 and 5. But God, being rich in mercy because of His great love with uh, which He loved us even, even when we were dead. We are not capable. We are hardened. We are enslaved by sin. In our trespasses, the amazing grace again, God made us alive together with Christ. What amazing grace. That's why, salvation is the work of miracle of God. If you want a miracle, and if you are a Christian, go to the mirror. You are a work of miracle. Because deep inside you, you cannot submit to Christ. You cannot love Christ. You cannot surrender your life to Christ unless God made you alive. Thomas Goodwin. God works with power and can make the unwilling willing. If he undertake the conversion of a soul, it will be converted. Which means God will not... Kanabitong, dili na siya mag-agad sa permission sa tao. 
to save the person. God is, is not waiting that you will give your heart to Christ and then God will save you. God will give you a new heart first so that you can give your heart to Christ. Because the new heart is the one who submits to Christ, the one who longs for Christ, the one who loves Christ, can make the unwilling willing. Okay? If he undertakes the conversion of the soul, it will be converted. 100% sure, walay pakyas, it will be saved. He will be saved. All the pious workings of, the, of our heart towards God are fruit and consequences of the powerful working of His grace in us. Faith, repentance, good works are all product of the regenerating work of God in us. He imparts spiritual life to us. As a result, we put our trust in Christ, we submit to Christ, we repent from our sin because we are made alive by God. So salvation is guaranteed. You are always be saved if God works in your heart. Okay, now, questions no? to clarify this. Why does one person believe the gospel and the, another, another does not? Question, why do you believe the gospel and, and your friends did not believe the gospel? The same message you heard, the same wonderful news, but you believe, others do not believe. What is the main reason? Is it because one is smarter and has better reasoning and capabilities? Maybe because perhaps you are smarter than they, okay? Maybe you know how to reason or you possess some other characteristic that allows him to realize the importance of the gospel. Now, even theologians believe that a child can understand the gospel. But why? There are people, even though the gospel is the good news of all good news, the gospel is so wonderful, it's so amazing. But why people reject it? Why? Or because God does something unique in the lives of those whom He saves. Okay, mga case study ta. Okay, that case study. So si Paul, naadya siya sa Macedonia aning a time. Okay, and he preached the gospel there. One who heard, who heard. So there are people, he was preaching the gospel, he was preaching the external calling. Okay, na external calling ini, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Okay. And one who heard was a woman named Lydia. From the city of the Titeria. Okay, a seller of purple goods was a worshiper of God, but during this time he was not, or she was not a true worshiper. Her heart was far from God. Okay. And notice this the amazing grace again. The Lord opened her heart. The Lord changes her heart. 
the close heart against God, the hard heart, God breaks it. God broke it and He opened it to respond to the gospel. This is regenerating work of God. God opened the heart of Lydia to pay attention to what was said by Paul and then she was baptized. She believed, but she cannot believe unless God opened her heart. So again, why do you believe in Jesus? You believe in Jesus because God opened your heart. God imparts spiritual life in you. Why, if we follow the sequence, God opened the heart of Lydia because first and foremost, Lydia was foreknown by God in eternity past. Lydia was predestined by God to conform in the image of Christ. As a result, God called uh, Lydia externally and internally imparting her spiritual life. And then she believed and she baptized. She was baptized. All this are all the working of God. Salvation is 100% guaranteed. So, now I understood this. Grace is free and merited favor of God. Free and merited favor. Meaning it, it's God who does it. It is, the, it is God who works. It is the God, it's God who gives this to us. He favors us. That's why this causes us to worship Him all the more, to glorify Him all the more, and then it will crush your pride. The pride that says, I choose God. The pride that says, in, you know, in the, independent of God, it will crush you. Your pride. Why? Because you are saved, not because of what you do, but what God has done in your life. That's why in Acts 3.16, by faith in the name of Jesus, talking to the man who was healed by Peter and, and Paul, okay, this man whom you see, or, or Peter and John, whom you see, no was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him. So the faith, the means that justifies you in the eyes of God, that saves you, comes from Jesus Christ again. So the origin of the faith, the saving faith is not you. The origin of the faith it's God when He makes your spirit alive. And then, and this womb He called, He also justified. Romans 5.1, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So when we exercise faith, trusting Christ, resting upon His work on the cross, Okay? Trusting upon His obedience, the perfect work of righteousness that Christ did while He was on earth. 
the perfect obedience, His perfect righteousness, we trust on that, we are justified and this is what justification means. The righteousness of Christ credited to us when we believe. So all the righteousness of Christ, the perfect righteousness, because we cannot be accepted by God unless we are righteous. And the only righteousness that God accepts is the righteousness of Christ. You have to have this. So therefore, when you trust Christ, when you rely upon Him, believing His death on the cross and His resurrection, that He's the Son of God, all His righteousness is credited to you. And all your sins, guilt, is transferred to Christ. That is justification. So, when God justifies us immediately, the moment you exercise your faith in Christ immediately and completely, meaning this is not a progressive justification completely because Christ's righteousness is complete and you have this when you trust Him and permanently, your justification is irrevocable, meaning it will not be taken away from you because it is God who gives it to you because your faith is alive permanently. Now, okay, now I'm, we are justified. What is the result of it? Hebrews 12, 14. Pursue peace with all people and the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Those who have saving faith, those who have trusted Christ, relying upon Him, the result of that, the product, the fruit, is, the, is a life of holiness because without holiness, no one will see the Lord. And this is the formula. Again, what I learned. Faith, when you trust Christ, works and his death on the cross, you are justified. But your justification must produce works. Okay? It must result works. Now works, your um, good works, everything you do, your prayer, Bible study, will not contribute to your justification. Will not contribute to your salvation. But without these works, according to the Bible, without works, your faith is dead. So there are people who are deceived. Okay? There are people who are living in a sinful lifestyle. Living a, an immoral life. Okay? Living in a homosexual life. And they claim that they are Christians. And then when they were rebuked, they responded, Christ did not say that homosexual is in only Paul. They wouldn't submit. They are deceived. They don't want to live a holy life. Do not be deceived. True faith should produce good works. Your salvation is a real, complete in Christ. But the faith that you exercised must produce good works. And this, that Christ has justified. He also glorified. This is what we are longing for. For our 
citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our body of a humble state into conformity. Remember, we become like Christ with the body of His glory by the exertion of the power that He has even to subject all things to Himself. Amazing grace. Amazing grace of God. So when you trusted Christ, your salvation is guaranteed and you should be looking forward in heaven. That's your destiny because God has predestined you to be there, to be with Him, enjoying Him forever. So that's why Paul, when he experienced suffering, when he experienced tribulation in life, what matters is that he belongs to God. When, this, when the disciples of Christ was rejoicing that they, they cast out evil spirits, and then Christ said, you rejoice much more because your name is your names are written in the book of life. What is the source of your joy? COVID karon, nigira sa Middle East, aman. Your joy is in God. Your joy is in Jesus. You are destined for heaven. Set your eyes, your heart upon this promise because this is for you, for you. You believe in Christ. Philippians 1.6 I am confident of this very thing, that He who began a good work among you will complete it by the day of Jesus Christ. God will accomplish His purpose. God will finish what He started. God will surely accomplish His plan in your life. That's why those who believe in Christ, truly believe, those who are predestined for glory, their salvation is permanent and they will persevere in life. They will persevere because the grace that caused them to persevere is God will provide them. Now this is the summary this is the, what the theologian says about this passage, the golden chain of salvation. That's why I entitled this Salvation Guaranteed. Because those who were known by God in eternity past that He will show His favor and love, select people. He predestined them to conform in the image of Son for glory. And He called them. He initiated their salvation. God is the one who saves them. God is the one who called them internally. And then God justifies them. God brought them to Christ. And then they exercise their faith in Christ. And then God is the one who will bring them to glory. This is our salvation. And if you have this hope, no COVID or turmoil will destroy you because your hope is founded in the solid ground 
God Himself. So whatever happens, remember, you are destined for glory in Jesus. So there are questions that I need to ask you. For those of you who are doubting, am I saved? Am I called? Am I predestined? Evaluation questions for assurance of salvation. Again, do you believe in the biblical Jesus? Do you believe the biblical Jesus, the Jesus, the Son of God, who lived a perfect life, died on the cross to pay the penalty of your sin, died and is buried? Do you believe Him? And then, second question, do you love Him as He is? Do you love Him more than anything else that you have in life? Do you really love Him? Not because He gives you blessing, but as He is, do you really love Him? Another thing, do you desire to be like Him? Do you desire to be like Him? Do you submit to His will? And fourth, do you long to be with Him forever? Do you long to be with Him forever? Now, if your answer of this is yes, then you are the one that God has called and the one that God has predestined to glory. Now, Salvation is 100% guaranteed. 100% guaranteed to all who truly believe for they are God's, God's chosen. That's why this verse really comforts me. That's why makachil ko, although medyo ga struggle ko, uy, but you know what? Akong composure, ma-remain, uy, nagyapong ko, sakto, because my God is still in control. And I am chosen by God. God showed me grace, His favor, His mercy, even though I don't deserve it. But God sets His love for me and brought me to Jesus. I hope that's true for you, my brethren. Let me give you a promise from Jesus Christ. Truly, truly, I tell you, He who believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for this wonderful news that we are your chosen people in eternity past. You have favored us with your love and grace. You have predestined us to conform the image of your Son and called us and justified us and brought us to glory. Lord, you are the one, you are alone that can save us and we glorify, O oh Lord. And Lord, even our relatives, our family members who are not yet um, in you, in Christ Jesus, I pray, Father, that you will work in their hearts to see the glory of the cross in Christ Jesus. And they will submit and be justified and enjoy this blessing that we have enjoyed right now in you. In Jesus' name, amen.